0: In all likelihood, this is going to be a crazy, crazy week. (laughs) Wouldn't you agree? Uh, This is going to be a crazy week. Once all the votes are counted and recounted and all the lawsuits have been settled, we will finally find out who the next president of the United States will be. That's a big deal. But I stand by the statement I made to you last Sunday. Who we select to be in office, to be our leaders, is important. Who ends up in office is important. But how Christians respond to who ends up in office is even more important. It really is. I'm pretty sure that we won't know on Tuesday night who has won the race for president Uh, There's a very good chance that the race won't be called for a number of days. And if that happens during that long and drawn out process where all of us across the country are waiting to see who is going to end up being our next president, people are going to be watching you, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your classmates. They're going to be watching you. And what will they see as they watch to see how you respond? And whenever the race is eventually called, if the guy who you voted for wins, those around you will be watching you to see how you respond. And eventually when the race is called and if the guy you voted for doesn't win, those around you will be watching you especially carefully to see how you respond. Uh, Whenever that race comes to an end, if the guy who you voted for wins, or if the guy who you voted for doesn't win, it's so important to guard how we respond. Let me ask you, if you are a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, how are you going to respond to the events of this week and the weeks that follow? I don't want you to forget what Jesus said to us in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14-16, through 16, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Some of us like to be in the spotlight. Most of us don't. But Jesus makes it clear, not only are we as his followers in the spotlight, we actually as Christ's followers are the spotlight. Some of us shudder at that thought, but it's true, we are the spotlight. He says you are the light of the world. And your family and your friends and your coworkers, and your neighbors are watching to see how you will respond to the events of this week. Who ends up in office is important. But how Christians respond to who ends up in office is even more important. Make no mistake about it. So, today I believe God wants us to be prepared to respond in a way that leads people to praise God and leads people to Jesus Christ. This morning we're going to revisit a powerful passage of Scripture that I shared with you just three months ago. Normally, I wouldn't revisit a passage in a sermon so soon after preaching it you know, to you, but I really believe God wants us to revisit this great passage today as we have this final Sunday together before the election. And so I want you to open your Bibles, please, to Isaiah chapter 7. We'll be starting in verse 1 in just a few moments. I'm calling this message, Keep Calm, Don't Freak Out. Amen? Amen. Keep Calm. Don't freak out. Isaiah was one of God's chosen prophets during the time in history when the nation of Israel was split in two. We've talked about this recently. There were the ten tribes in the north. There were the two tribes in the south. Those ten tribes in the north didn't follow the grandsons of King David. They had their own kings, and those ten tribes in the north kept that name Israel. The two tribes in the south huddled around the capital city of Jerusalem. They followed the grandsons of David as their kings, and they adopted the name Judah. And so you had Israel in the north, you had Judah in the south, and there was Isaiah as a prophet in southern Israel, in that area of Judah, particularly around Jerusalem. Now, as we dive into chapter 7 of Isaiah in just a moment, I want you to keep in mind that there are three nations that are talked about here in these nine verses we'll look at today. Uh, First of all, there was Judah. You can see that on the map in front of you. Uh, Judah was in the south. Once again, just to the north of that, that country in the middle was Israel. And just to the north of Israel, in the, the upper side of your map, you'll see Aram. It's also called modern day Syria. And so in the south is Judah capital city is Jerusalem, in the middle is Israel, capital city is Samaria, Uh, and it's also called Ephraim in this passage, so when you see that word Ephraim, it's the same as Israel, uh, those northern ten tribes, and finally in the north is Aram with its capital city of Damascus. Now, let's put up a second map for you. As you look at this second map, you'll see uh, Judah, Israel, and Aram. You'll see that they had certain kings in each of those countries. In the south, at the time that Isaiah 7 took place, there in Judah in the south, King Ahaz was king. There in the middle, in, in Israel, uh, we know that uh, King Pekah was king. And then to the north, in Aram, King Rezin was king. So I know I went through that rather quickly, but just try to keep those basic countries and names in mind because they will be mentioned in this passage as we look to see what God has to tell us in Isaiah chapter 7, starting in verse one, say Amen if you're there. Amen. It says when Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, that's in the south; King Rezin of Aram, that's in the north; and Pekah son of Remaliah, king of Israel, that's in the middle. They marched up to fight against Jerusalem. So bear in mind what's happening here: Aram in the north, Israel in the middle. They join forces together, they form an alliance, and they march their armies south into southern Judah to attack the nation of Judah. Verse 2, it says, Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim, Israel. So the hearts of Ahaz and the people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out. You and your son Shear-Jeshub to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the washerman's field. Say to King Ahaz, king of Judah, Be careful. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. And do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. Because of the fierce anger of Rezin of Aram, and of the son of Remaliah, Aram... Ephraim, Remaliah's son, have plotted your ruin, saying, "Let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves, and make the son of Tobiel king over it." Yet this is what the Sovereign Lord says: It will not take place. It will, not happen. For the land of Aram is, is the head of Aram is Damascus. The head of Damascus is only Rezin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. May God bless us as we read, study, and apply His word to our lives today. So what's going on here? Well, King Pekah of northern Israel and King Rezin of Aram there in the north... They form this alliance and they join their armies together to conquer Judah in the south. And to conquer Judah, they knew that they would have to conquer the capital city of Jerusalem. And so they start marching through Judah. They take out a few towns along the way. And then they arrive at Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a walled city. And so there they are. They arrive at Jerusalem. It says in verse 1, they could not overpower it. So the two enemy armies set up camp outside the city walls of Jerusalem and they waited it out. Uh, they figured that sooner or later King Ahaz and his people there in Jerusalem would either run out of food or water and they would just kind of surrender, open the city gates, and then Aram and uh, and uh, Pekah of Israel would be able to just storm into the city and completely conquer Jerusalem. And so they were besieging the city, laying siege to it, camped outside the city walls. And so there they were outside the city walls of Jerusalem. And it seems clear from what we pull from these early verses that the citizens of Jerusalem were freaking out. They were scared to death. We read in verse 2 that their hearts, quote, were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Yeah, they were definitely freaking out. Have you ever known someone who tends to freak out when the pressure is turned up? Ever, ever known somebody like that? Uh, of course, you wouldn't freak out, would you? You know, you are always the epitome of composure when stress comes, right? <laughs> Maybe not. But we've all known people who freak out when stress comes their way. Well, as the armies of northern Israel and Aram camped outside the city gates, King Ahaz was beside himself. He was scared. He was worried. He was not having his best day. He felt like his entire world was crashing down around him. He was powerless to do anything about it. He felt so helpless. Have you ever felt that way? All the circumstances around you seem to be tumbling down. Your world seems to be crashing down around you and you feel so helpless to do anything about it. That's how King Ahaz felt. Sometimes it does feel like our situation is hopeless. But as a wise man once said, God's address is at the end of your rope. Isn't that good? God's address is at the end of your rope. You see, God specializes in bringing hope to our hopeless situations. Well, here in Isaiah 7, God instructs His prophet Isaiah to await for the king, King Ahaz, at the side of the road and and give him an important message. So Isaiah obeys the word of the Lord. He makes his way to the place where God had told him to go. And in verse 4, he gives this God-given message to King Ahaz. I love this verse. Look again at verse 4. The message from the Lord to King Ahaz is this. Be careful. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. And do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. I'd like you to think about each of these four commands. They're not suggestions. They're not recommendations. They are commands from God to King Ahaz. And I want to suggest to you today As we live in troubled times here in the United States of America in the year 2020, I want to suggest to you that verse 4 here in Isaiah chapter 7 does not offer suggestions or recommendations for you and me either. I want to suggest to you, if you're a believer and follower of Jesus Christ like me, God is giving us these four commands today. At this particular day, at the start of this specific week, for such a time as this. Let's look at each of the four of these commands. Number one, be careful. Be careful. Friends, when the circumstances around you are not good, and the people around you are screaming, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, our our country is being flushed down the toilet. When people are screaming, the sky is falling, when people think everything is crumbling around them, God tells you and me, be careful. This week, I believe that every one of us will be tempted to say some things that we will regret having said if we actually say them. Many people we know whose favorite candidates won't win this week will be sore losers. They will blow their tops, they'll spew verbal sewage all over everyone around them. You and I must resist the urge to jump on the bandwagon and join them. On the other side of the aisle, many people who know, many people we know, I should say, whose favorite candidates do end up winning this week. Many of those we know will be sore winners. It's true. They're going to be sore winners. They'll Uh, gloat and they'll brag and and they'll just be all around pretty obnoxious some people get really obnoxious when they win and there are going to be some obnoxious winners around us this week you and I must resist the urge to jump on the bandwagon and join them you and I must be careful We must be careful with our words. We must be careful with our attitudes. We must be careful with how we react to those around us who are not reacting very well at all. Don't forget James 1.19. I love this verse. I keep it in mind often. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone, everyone. That's all of us. You, me, all of us who follow Christ. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So please don't forget, this week as some people around you are sore losers and are cussing like a drunken sailor. And other people around you are sore winners and they're being really, really obnoxious. Don't jump on the bandwagon. Be careful. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. God says, first of all, be careful. Second, keep calm. Keep calm. It sounds simple enough, doesn't it? But it is easier said than done. Sometimes I say it this way. Breathe. Don't forget to breathe. It's so important. It doesn't do you or anyone else any good when you flip out and go postal on everyone around you. Take a few deep breaths. Spend some meaningful time in prayer. Go on a nice long walk. Play some soothing music. Take a long bath. Pet a dog or cat. Do whatever you need to do to keep calm. Because if you're going to make it through the stress without causing a whole lot of collateral damage along the way, you're going to have to calm down. You will say and do very stupid things if you're losing your head. So God says, stay calm. Stay calm. Now, one of the most effective ways to calm down is to spend some quality time reading and meditating on God's Word. I hope you'll spend a lot of time this week in God's Word, just you and Him. So important. Remember what we talked about last Sunday. God is sovereign, which means God is large and in charge. Amen? Say that with me. God is large and in charge. Say it like you mean it. God is large and in charge. Amen? And whoever ends up winning these elections will not be a surprise to God. He's not going to be shocked. Oh, really? That person won? I had no idea. God knows already today who's going to win every race. He knows every proposition that will pass, every measure that will pass. He already knows. He's sovereign, He's in charge, and He's all-knowing. Even if we screwed up on who we voted for, God knows that as well. And He will somehow even work that into His master plan. What a wonderful peace God can give us when we realize that He's got it all in His control. He's got this. So there's no reason to freak out. We can stay calm, we can be at peace, because God's got this. He really does. He's got this. So trust Him. Remember what Paul writes in Philippians 4, 8, and 9 after telling us to rejoice in the Lord always. He says this in verses 8 and 9. He says, Brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things and put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Doesn't that sound good? To have the God of peace with us, the God who gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding, or the way I like to paraphrase that, that statement, God gives us a peace that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for us to have peace going into this election this week. It doesn't make sense to have peace knowing what's happening in Philadelphia and other cities around our nation that are experiencing social turmoil. It doesn't make sense to have peace during COVID and the news organizations are talking about a coming second wave, a coming spike. It doesn't make sense to have peace during these times, but God can give it to us anyway, amen? He really can if we focus on Him and trust Him. It sounds so good to take hold of God's peace. So think about God. Think about the things of God and God will help keep you calm. So number one, Be careful. Number two, or what number two is? Keep calm. Number three, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm pretty sure that King Ahaz didn't appreciate this command too much when Isaiah gave it to him. He must have been thinking to himself, are you kidding me, Isaiah? I've got two enemy armies surrounding my city and they want nothing more than to tear these walls down and to kill me. And put some other guy on the throne I've never even heard of. And so he was scared to death. Really? You want me to be at peace? You want me to not be afraid? Are you kidding me? Similarly, some of us are very afraid about the results of this upcoming election. We've been told over and over again that this is the most important election of our lifetimes. We've heard that so many times it's got us a little bit uh, scared. What if the guy that we don't think is best gets in there? Some of us have been spending far too much time listening to Sean Hannity or Anderson Cooper. And they've got us freaked out about what happens if the other guy wins. And God says, don't be afraid. Remember, this is the most repeated command in the entire Bible. Over and over again, God says, don't be afraid. Before Joshua led the people of Israel into the promised land, he said, don't be afraid. Before the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, God told them, Don't be afraid. When Mary was about to become pregnant with Jesus, uh, the angel Gabriel came to her and said, don't be afraid. And then the angel went over to Joseph in a dream and told him, don't be afraid. And then the angel, a few months later, uh, went to those shepherds outside of Bethlehem and there in the fields outside of Bethlehem told them, don't be afraid. Over and over again, God tells us this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God says to you and to me today, I know this election and this COVID-19 pandemic seems so scary. I know it feels overwhelming, but I have called you to walk by faith and not by sight. So I need you to trust me. I've got this. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Church, whoever ends up in the White House, don't be afraid. Can you receive that today? Whoever ends up in the White House, don't be afraid. Whether or not there is an effective COVID-19 vaccine by the end of this year, don't be afraid. And the future of our country seems so uncertain, even with that uncertainty, do not be afraid. God says to you today, child of mine, do not be afraid. Afraid. Fourth, do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. God came to King Ahaz and he comes to you and me and he says, be careful. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. And do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. King Ahaz's knees had been knocking and the hair on the back of his neck had been standing up because he just knew that these two armies camped outside his city walls were going to be the death of him. He was scared. Those two armies felt to him like a raging inferno. This huge fire is is all he could see from his perspective. It was like this huge raging inferno and they were going to consume him. But God says to Ahaz, no, (laughs) no, they're not. They're not going to consume you. They're not a raging inferno. In fact, they are just two smoldering stubs of firewood. These two yahoos, resin and pika, are just charred pieces of wood after the fire has already passed by. They still may be sending up a little smoke, but they are on the decline. Their best days are behind them. Their days actually are numbered. So Ahaz, don't lose heart. Hmm. Let me ask you a question that I really didn't think of until this last week. Who are our two smoldering stubs of firewood? Think about that for a second. Who are our smoldering stubs of firewood? Now I'm going to answer that question by putting a picture on the screen for you. Here they are. <laughs> Those right there are our two smoldering stubs of firewood in the year 2020. Joe Biden and Donald Trump. There they are. Many Americans believe and and many Christians believe that if one of these two guys gets into the White House, it will be the end of our country as we know it. And God says, no, it won't. No, it won't. Think again. Do you know something interesting I learned this past week? I didn't realize this. I've taught on this passage several times over the years, but I didn't realize that as King Pekah from Israel and King Rezin from Aram were camped outside those city walls in Jerusalem, just itching to knock down those walls and kill King Ahaz, as they were camped outside those city walls, do you know both of those kings would be dead within two years? I didn't realize that. But historically, we know it's true. Those two kings that seemed like this raging inferno to King Ahaz, they were both dead within two years. In the moment, they seemed like such a threat, but God knew that their days were numbered. Well, whoever becomes the next president of the United States, the truth is, their days are numbered. They'll be in the White House for a few short years, and then they'll be gone. Regardless of whether Donald Trump or Joe Biden ends up in the White House, it will be a temporary thing. It won't be the end of America as we know it. They'll be in the White House for a few short years and they'll be gone. In the scope of human history, neither Donald Trump nor Joe Biden is a raging inferno. In the scope of human history, they are two smoldering stubs of firewood. So don't lose heart. God's got this. God's got this. Trust Him. Which presidential candidate ends up in the White House is important. But how you and I respond to who ends up in the White House is much more important. So followers of Christ, here are four guidelines for responding this week. How to respond well this week. To all the craziness that's going to be taking place in our nation. People freaking out and people thinking it's the end of our nation. And certain cities on fire even. Here is what God says to you and me as His followers. He says, respond well by responding in these four ways. Number one, be careful. Number two, remember what number two is? I forget. (laughs) Keep calm keep calm. Number three, don't be afraid. And number four, don't lose heart. God's got this. He really does.